Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick, and joining me very decked out in USA gear is my co-host, Johnny Maffey. Johnny, how are you today? I'm great, Owen. Thanks to everyone for watching and tuning in and listening as always. Happy Memorial Day, and thank you to all who served and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yes, thank you to all who have served our country. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. And to get right into it, what a Memorial Day weekend it was for the Futures League. In particular, Thursday night when we had our first four-game slate at 9 o'clock, Every single game within the 30-minute span either tied or was cut to a one-run lead. It was absolutely ridiculous. Vermont tied it in the ninth. New Britain tied it in the ninth in the top half. Brockton forced extra innings and a home-run derby in the bottom of the ninth. And Nashua cut their game to a one-run game. It was an incredible night of baseball, and it was just it was fantastic to get started the way it did. But beyond that, Johnny, we got an introduction to our new field on Saturday, which you and I attended. Yeah, that was a fun road trip right up to Burlington, Vermont. Centennial Field very much lived up to the hype. They exceeded the hype. C.J. Knudsen, their senior VP, did a great job. He was out there dragging the field. He was interacting with the fans. He put together a great product. New owner Chris English and uh, head coach Pete Wilk, they have a great team on their hands, and it was a lot of fun, and it was beautiful up there despite all the rain we had down here in, uh, in our neck of the woods. Yeah, an absolutely beautiful day in Burlington, Vermont. Got a little cold later in the game, but it was certainly a great sight to see to have Centennial Field officially in the Futures League hands. Very excited. For today's episode, we have New Britain Bees manager Donnie McKillop. Really excited for you guys to hear this interview. He was so fun to talk to, and he's extremely excited to be the Bees manager. Talk about a baseball guy, Owen. I mean, this is Donnie's first year as a manager in the Futures League, but he seems to know a lot of people. He's really injected into the heart of Connecticut baseball right now. Yeah, from Loomis to the Bees, he's got baseball experience up and down. Very excited for you guys to hear this. And we're going to get you to that interview right now. So without further ado, we present our interview with Donnie McKillop. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest, who is in his first year as manager in New Britain. It's Donnie McKillop of the New Britain Bees. Donnie, thank you so much for joining us today. And welcome to Back to the Futures. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be, you know, in the Zoom room here with you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And right off the bat, you guys won your first game and come from behind fashion on night one, Wednesday night. How did it feel to get your first Futures League win on the first night in front of the home crowd? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, kind of just soaking in the whole event there in New Britain. Uh, the setting is pretty sweet. It's it's just an amazing space. And the fans, We I met uh, Jesse, my loyalist, right up the first baseline. Uh, who knows? Probably more guys in the dugout than I did night one. And then the B unit up in the top tier. There was one dude chasing every fly ball and competing with the little kids. It was pretty epic. So the, the vibe, that just kind of soaking that all in. I think the players really enjoyed it and just had a lot of fun. Um, and, and to get that W, especially in that dramatic come from behind fashion after we Watched a thunderstorm for a little bit of time. It was a pretty cool event. So you just touched on it. What's it like to play in New Britain Stadium, which has been a staple of Connecticut baseball for around the past 20 years? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, the history there. The first time I was there, it was the uh, the Rock Cats were playing Double A baseball, and and uh, I'm from Southern California. I actually stumbled into a, a high school teammate of mine, Alex Dickerson, on on a date with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife. So it's a special place for me. The status of Connecticut baseball, I've been super impressed by the level of play, especially in New England and, and the state of Connecticut. And being right there, you know, it's only about 30 minutes from uh, where I live up here in Windsor, Connecticut. So it's a pretty pretty uh, smooth trek and pretty central for people to get to from all over the state. It's It's a great spot. So... You know, again, it is the the fans, the the vibe, the stadium, the clubhouse. I'm very privileged to have a, a manager's office and a coach's locker room and a and a pretty sexy looking players locker room too. There, it's a cool setup. Brad and Brett are are great in the front office for us too, and and let us operate and have a ton of fun. And and we've got unbelievable access to that facility. So our players are in there every day. We we uh, unfortunately it rained out tonight, but. Brad and Brett are in there every day and, and the players went down and got a workout in this morning. So it's a sweet space to be able to kind of call mine uh, and, and ours, you know, it's really quite a privilege. So the status of Connecticut baseball is now lucky enough to include you right in the heart of it. Uh, how did that come about? How did you become the new New Britain skipper? 
I was coaching, been coaching baseball at Loomis now for five years. And in the summer times, I had been coaching AAU baseball. And I've had a, a litter of children here in the past uh, three years. I've got three kids and I've actually got another one coming at the end of August here. So the AAU scene was was good. It was uh, flexible and, and was fun to also at Loomis. Um, we can recruit a little bit. So being on the road was nice. Um, kind of making some some networks there. And then what happened was I actually was on an alumni Zoom call with Brad Smith, and he mentioned that he was affiliated with a team in New Britain. And, you know, just kind of got to talking a little bit about it. He invited me to a game last summer, and uh, I went and watched a game, and I didn't realize he was he was that high up in the organization. And so ended up, it was just kind of an alumni connection where we, we developed a relationship. And then when they were, were looking to, to make a change at, at the managerial spot, I, uh, I reached out and was definitely excited about the opportunity and got to know Brad and Brett and a little bit about the dynamics of the summer. And it's, it just seemed like a perfect fit. I, you know, I'm a 10 month employee at Loomis. So that summertime is just a great space for me to really continue coaching baseball. And then for the the Loomis piece of it too. I've, you know, I've developed those relationships in the AAU world with other youth coaches. So now I can, I can trust those guys and kind of make phone calls and see videos and go see kids, I guess on Mondays or in the mornings, the schedule is pretty packed, but you know, pretty, pretty confident that a lot of the stuff I had done in the years prior will, will still set me up to be successful in my full-time day job in the regular year too. So. Yeah. We're really excited to have you in the league and to see how your perspective plays into the new Britain fold this season. And one thing that's unique about coaching summer baseball is the fact that so many guys are going to be on and off rosters all summer. So what is your plan to manage this team as that unfolds, as players are jumping in the roster, out of the roster, et cetera? Yeah, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned that. You know, here we are waiting for the NCAA, you know, tournament and, and things to end. Eastern was just knocked out, which is a bummer for a lot of our guys in their NCAA careers. And and their, their kind of pursuits of that. But for New Britain, I mean, I'm excited. Some of those guys are coming now. So give us a little bit of depth. We played the last two games with two defensive substitutions. So, you know, that was tricky. But I think all of us are going through it in these first few weeks, uh, waiting for guys to kind of fill in. And, you know, the, the nice thing about the level of play is a lot of these guys are, are pretty capable of of playing a high level of baseball. And, and as long as I don't you know, overcoach or overcomplicate what we're trying to get done early in the season. You know, guys can play routine baseball, fundamental baseball, and have some fun doing it. I mean, it's just got to be a lot of trust and credibility in what the, the ownership's brought in for the, the talent. And then, you know, letting the kids play and reach their potential as we go. A lot of the coaching early is kind of in-game uh, until we feel like our nucleus of kids starts to kind of fill in. And then, you know, maybe we'll start to do some more team strategy type stuff. Um, you know, I mean, we, we laid down a pretty successful sack bunt last night you know we're doing some little team things but you know we're not running the wheel at this point don't tell anyone that I guess right I'm a little too public with that news but you know right now we're just going to kind of take the out and uh and play baseball and, and hopefully win the at-bats that we're supposed to uh both offensively and defensively yeah and you talk about defensive substitutions and the lack thereof there's also the issue with pitching restrictions that happen with the guys that come here and have pitch counts not only from their coaches but from the league rules as well so how do you balance those yeah, so Brad, Brad and Brad have done a good job. We have, a, I think, the 24-man uh, bullpen on our roster. And so we've got enough arms for sure. Early on right now is when it's going to be a little tricky. Our day one starter got knocked out a little early, so that put a little stress on us. But then last night, you know, Nemchek threw, I think, five quality innings and only gave up one run. And so we used three arms last night in 10 innings. I mean, that was a huge performance for us, especially, you know, playing a team who had scored 14 runs the night prior. So really it's going to be about being efficient, making sure that the guys who are going right now are executing. And then we do have, you know, right now, I think we've got enough arms to get through some time. And, and honestly, this rain tonight maybe doesn't hurt us because uh, Monday's Memorial Day. And so we were on slate for, uh, you know, last Wednesday to, to next Monday before we would have had an off day. So this, this maybe helps our pitching situation for early season stuff. But, you know, we've got a great pitching coach in John Nagel, who's done the CCBL stuff for a while. He's out of Simsbury, uh, coaches over at Westminster School in our my prep league that I coach in the regular year. And so I, we have a lot of trust in him and just bouncing ideas back and forth. And and Cam Beliveau played uh, infield at, at Hartford, but also fancies himself a little bit of a pitching guy, too. So he loves to work with John and, and uh, he kind of floats between pitchers and position players. I think our, our other coach, Matt Denunzio, thinks he's, he's crazy liking the pitchers as much as he does. You know, sometimes there's that, that uh, divide between your, your pitchers and position players of uh, just culture and fun. And I think you poke more fun at it anyways, just for the clubhouse joy of it too. But 
it's going to be a lot to manage something that, you know, I, I haven't really done a ton of in my past, but you know, like at Loomis, we manage a, a small number, probably a smaller number of arms in a really condensed season. Right. So I remember my first year at Loomis, we had in 2018, we had five games in six days with, uh, you know, realistically like three or four arms that I was really wanting to roll out at a team like an Avon Old Farms and, and some other teams. So having guys step up in big moments and then, you know, being efficient with their pitch numbers and, and attacking hitters the right way and, and so forth. Yeah, you talked about pitching the other night against the Suns. We're recording this on Friday. This is from Thursday night. You guys were also part of the Home Run Derby, which is probably the first time you've experienced that. Definitely first time you've experienced that in the Futures League. So what is your take, the Donnie McKillop take, on the Home Run Derby to win it? I love it. I, I said this to uh, to our beat guy in New Britain. I think we we probably, we got to figure it out a little bit. We should probably practice it. You know, it's I can't believe you know, the, the one homer ends up being a loss there. I feel like maybe the, the league should make it like a one Oh and one kind of like a hockey point standing or something. Cause it's kind of like shootouts, you know, it feels very hockey ish in a cool way, but it was a great time. We gave a righty five swings and a lefty five swings trying to play at a park to see, you know, could, could the fence line help us a little bit. They rode one guy out who, you know, he, he struggled for a little bit and then kind of seemed like he found rhythm a little bit at about the sixth or seventh swing. So could have been a coaching play there uh, that out got me there by Getty. So a little bit more experience. And I will say I do love because in my first manager's meeting, the, the talk was about kind of the chaos that was last year's home run derby with the timing. And now this, the 10 outs kind of old school. I, I don't know if you guys played uh, Griffey or Griffey Slugfest on N64. Maybe I'm telling you my age right now, but uh, the old school home run derby with 10 outs is uh, a pretty enjoyable time, pretty easy to follow and really fun for both teams. And I'm hopeful that the next time uh, we get to shower our guy with the water cooler and we'll be hopefully more prepared for it. So we got to talk some strategy. I will say after the ninth inning, I was real excited because I thought we were going straight to it. I had my BP coach warming up and then all of a sudden, you know, Getty's, Getty's team, the Suns takes the field for the 10th. I'm like, what the heck are we doing here? And so I was anxious for it. And excited cool to see it game two I also heard there was another one that night too so I think our boys will will figure it out we'll get a little bit of rhythm and, and figure out who our BP guy is at time what pitches we like who which guys are going which direction all these learning lessons and, and luckily in a game a season where you got about 70 games a little bit of leeway in time but I'd say we'll be ready more ready for the next one but it's 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 pretty darn enjoyable and, and a good time and the boys like it yeah I was I was there in Brockton last night for their derby against the sea unicorns what do you think uh, the MLB should do? You know, you, you said it's like our version of a, a hockey shootout. You think the MLB should move to this? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tricky, right? Because like it, it it does like I realistically when we had the tenth inning and we put a runner on third with less than two outs, I was kind of ready to not have it, you know, and win baseball the regular way. Um, so yeah. you know it. it it, there is a, a point of it that I love and, and especially playing, you know, 70 games with with college kids and we need to be be careful of arms because they're also going to have next spring and, and be ready to rock. So I, it does limit your innings and help with the pitching component. And it also is super exciting for the fans and also like just the fact that you're going to roll out the next day. And as you guys mentioned, with depths and rosters and things like that, you don't necessarily want to be there until 3, 4 a.m. in a 14 inning game, 15 inning game. I think the MLB, could you do it if, if we're talking about kind of that, the player excitement and the love of the long ball? I, I do think there is a lot of the, the flair to it and fun. It, it could be totally like the shootout. But I do think, I really think if you go to it, having a standing separate would be helpful because it does, like, yeah, I just talked like to our coaches. yeah it just feels yeah. a little like it felt a little bit like a tie last night and then we lost like the extracurricular event, you know, it's just like, yeah. um, and, and if we win it though, sure. I'd love it to be a full point, you know? <laughs> so, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's executing a part of a game that I think now that I know about it, probably more, we'll just be better prepared for it and have some fun with it. But I, I love it. I think the MLB level, you know, gets tricky. I don't know. I, I talked to Eddie a little bit last night too, is maybe we put uh, like that California high school tiebreaker, right? We put a runner on second. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe Which is what the MLB is doing now too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe do that in the 10th and then, you know, see, see what guys can execute with a runner on second to start. That could be a fun little, little curveball to it too, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's definitely fun. So moving on from, well, this is the fun stuff too, but 
What's impressed you most about your roster so far? I think it's probably just the the quality of the consistent quality at bats and and the level of play from from all the guys who we can plug and go. I think from from my specific roster has definitely been the resilience going into a thunderstorm down six three with with not a whole ton of momentum coming out and winning the back half of a game was pretty sweet. The home opener, pausing it for a thunderstorm. You have all that excitement, energy, enthusiasm, and then have to kind of shelve it for a bit and then turn the page and win the back half. That was cool. Going, you know, into the bottom of the, the top of the ninth of a game where we had one hit going into the top of the ninth. Our kids just thought we were going to score runs and they did. So it's that optimism that I think the character and personality right away is awesome. I think night one, Jimmy Sullivan had four RBIs. You know, night two, our, you know, Nemchek shoving for five innings of, of one run baseball. Those are probably your, and uh, Duquette being the pitcher of the night on, on night one, two to, to turn that, that game around a little bit too. And our whole bullpen, I mean, we literally gave up six runs in one inning. It's just cool that you have so many high caliber players in one space and they all approach it a little bit differently, right? Like guys have their own styles and own methods that they're coming from all these different programs with and kind of learning about each other, sharing things. There's definitely a little bit of like an early workout vibe before our home games. And so I do like the, the professionalism of it. I think these kids really know how to behave, how to take this, this league and, and these games. I, I love how many returners Brad and Brett brought back, guys who have been in the league before for, from last year, been in New Britain specifically. So those guys are super helpful. And then, you know, my own, my own personal flavor too, I, my coaching staff is pretty amazing. So having, having Matt Denunzio, who's been my only assistant coach that I've had every single season I've ever been a head coach. He's been with me through everything. He's at Loomis with me. He does a lot of, he does our infield work and and he and I do a lot with the offensive stuff together. And then uh, John Nagel has been a great addition. We've seen what he's done across the field from us, but spending a lot of time with him has been really enjoyable just to get to know him and what he's about. And then Cam Beliveau, the guy who, who was a volley for us at Loomis in 2019, and then COVID canceled us in 20, but he was lined up to be with us again. I think he can throw about 700 pitches in a row and then still come out the next day. He's got just a rubber arm. Jim Warwick is is an old minor leaguer. He's also a Loomis alum, coaches kid here at Loomis. So just a great baseball guy and being a minor leaguer, having that savvy veteran, playing a multitude of games on the road, back home, eating, you know, some very quality food and some other foods, depending on stadium visits. But he can really help us just bring a little bit of that calmness and the long-term vision. And, and we brought Kevin Woodring, who's a Middlebury baseball football guy, who's kind of, that was my path. And, and he's, you know, I think a year out of college now. So we have a lot of like player relatability with some younger guys. I'm kind of in the middle. And then Jimmy and John are kind of our, our older savvy wisdom guys. It's a good staff, a good team. I think we have a good slew of pitchers and hitters and I've got a good core of Loomis kids. I think I got four kids I've coached before. That just brings a little bit of comfortability and I think credibility too, because guys know what I'm about. And then they have peers that they can talk to and ask like, hey, like what, you know, they, they kind of know what I'm looking for, what I'm about, what I'm going to emphasize and some of the small details. So having some backup and support from an army of staff and and peer players too is is pretty cool. Yeah, that's certainly a great group of guys to have in the locker room, on the field, et cetera. And specifically in the locker room, you mentioned it. You have a lot of veteran presence, whether it's Andrew Kane, Zach Donahue, or Todd Peterson, guys who have been here before. So how has their veteran experience contributed to your locker room so far? Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, the, I think Donahue and, and Peterson are both just such personalities, right? And and they kind of, they feed and play off each other. And there's just great energy. Andrew Big Daddy Kane is the announcement as he's coming up to to the, the starting lineup, getting that from the PA system, right? So the fans love him already and you get that juice and energy. So he, he kind of steps in there and you just know that he's going to be composed and notice, you know, those guys will be, will be familiar with the situation, the circumstance, the magnitude of playing at the stadium, having fun. There is, there is that life to it, it where these guys just understand it and, and have a, a good feel. And so you can kind of lean on them to, to really do some, just some natural leadership, right? I've, I'm not, I, I just kind of give times when guys need to show up, where we need to be, what we need to do. And they all kind of work together. And I, I think having guys come back, I mean, peer-to-peer -peer leadership is just so damn important in, in team sports, right? Especially in a sport like baseball, where everything is, is so individualized and guys have their own little things. But then when, you know, when peers 
can talk to each other, have some standards, some accountability stuff. Those little things go really far when it's when it's player to player. They can be a great liaison. I think day one, Donahue might have been the second kid I saw. And I was fortunate to go to UConn practice in the fall and got to meet him there and, and saw him do really well in the inner squad. And so, you know, I saw him I'm like, all right, Donahue, like you're showing me the way, you know, and, and kind of just giving him a little bit of a pump and, and credibility for because he knows, you know, that, that I trust that kid right out the gate because he had a great season for him last year. And and right away was hitting leadoff for us. And we have, we're a little thin in the infield right now. A lot of our guys are still playing. So he just came right back into the infield for us and was, was uh, an outfielder uh, all last season with the bees and with UConn. And so he can play anywhere and just attacks, attacks it with just some real life and, and aggression. And so those kinds of things are, are really fun to have. And you can't take it for granted as a coach, to just have those kind of personalities. Yeah, definitely. And, and you seem to certainly let them do what they want, do what they need to do. And uh, you, you have the, the right trust in them. So uh, who do you see having a big impact this summer besides the guys we've already mentioned? Oh, man, all of them, man. It's, uh, you know, we got 70 Good games. Answer. I hope Good everyone. <laughs> uh, so one of, one of the kids who, who I, you know, I, I just love that I, I hated playing against and coaching against was Jimmy Sullivan, uh, our catcher. We couldn't run on him when he was at Choate uh, and he could, we couldn't get him out and, you know, now having him in our, our wheelhouse, just the way he catches, the way he can throw kids out. I think his numbers were absurd at, at UMass Lowell in terms of guys trying to run on him and how many he threw out. But yeah, I think, you know, he's he's a great one. And I think, yeah, we mentioned a lot of the guys. I think another cool thing is is a lot of our uh, like D3 guys, like our NESCAT kids, and, and that's obviously I'm a little bias but a lot of those NESCAT kids are going to be playing for a little bit of extra life because of all the eligibility stuff that's going around so you know they might be graduating from a place like Middlebury or Wesleyan and and looking to to go play afterwards at grad school and they've got two or three years built up in their their bank and and so this summer is is a proving ground for them a little bit kind of like what I'm used to at Loomis where kids are going out in the summer and trying to get their college placement there's a little bit of that in this league which I think is is super healthy and and it's going to help our guys have a little bit of that drive, even in game, you know, 47, when the standings aren't really close yet. And, uh, you know, you're kind of at the lull and we're pushing to get to 60-ish game. You know, it's just at that time when you're playing because, hey, like, I got to make sure my numbers are good. I got to make sure I'm, I'm approaching right. I got to make sure this is happening. Uh, I think it will help lock in that focus. So to me, a guy like Jack Sher and Alec Rich, who've, you know, haven't played two years of, of college baseball and they're juniors right now, you know, it's, those kind of guys, I think that hunger is going to drive them a little bit. So, you know, this virus kind of kind of kicked their careers in the pants a little bit, and I think they're going to want to kick it back. So, you know, it's it's a, uh, I think those guys, I would be, you know, I'm excited to see how their season goes, and happy they they get you know 70 games in here to to be able to bring it back and and make up for some of that lost time. Before we return to our interview with Donnie McKillop, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y number eight sports.com. For a limited time, by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y number eight sports.com. Now, back to Donnie McKillop. Now moving on to your background a little bit. Like you've mentioned, you're the head coach at... Loomis, you've had a lot of success there. You're 40 and 12 so far. What's it like and what do you credit to that success to? Yeah, Loomis has been a great place for me and my family. It's just an awesome school. It's it's a boarding school here. Uh, I grew up in San Diego, so these places were, were uh, a total foreign entity to me until I got to Middlebury College and, you know, went to uh, Williston up north, learned under a couple of great coaches. Mark Conroy was the AD there, head football coach, and then Matt Sawyer, was a head baseball coach there. And I just really liked those guys, their approach to high school and, uh, and prep school sports and, and what they were about and how they respected the kids. And then I went back to Middlebury, or I went uh, to Springfield for grad school 
uh, and was a GA for football. And then went to go up and coach at Middlebury College for baseball for a season, came back to Amherst, was going to coach both at Amherst College, football and baseball. And then the AD job, assistant AD job here in head baseball, an assistant football coach opened up. And so that situation, the position, my wife was was pregnant. So it was about time to kind of move into a little bit more of a stable job that the college coaching, you know, in my in my 20s, it was kind of a time to make a decision, either really try to get that first full-time college job or kind of come back to prep school with with the family life being so uh, such a positive environment here. I live in an upperclassman boys dorm with 38 high school boys who all are, are part of our family. They take care of my children a ton and and my kids love them and, and idolize them. And it's, it's just been, I think the feel, the community, the support here is, is number one, because I can be my most authentic, genuine self here. And then with that, then I get to work with the sports and, and uh, my, my profession is all channeled in on, on athletics here and community life and character building and integrity and those types of things. So being able to, to just be a culture guy at Loomis, having an assistant coach, like I mentioned, Matt Denunzio, who's just been a rock for me as an assistant. I would say we co-manage everything we do. I'm a big collaborator. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a big ego guy. I think Matt is just as responsible for the success here at Loomis as I am. It's just been a lot of fun. We've had special players with the right approach, right ethics, right values, and then some real talent, right? I think I've, as you, as you mentioned the record there, I mean, I think what's really neat too is we just have, I'd say on average, right around five to seven college baseball players in the graduating class. And so like this, this year is the first year we, all five of our graduating kids who are going on to play college baseball are division one players. You know, we, we've sent a lot to the NESCAC, a few to the, the Patriot League. So I, I think we just get a quality brand of, of student athlete that, that comes here. And then with that reputation, we've also got some, some really good allegiances locally to, to bring the best local talent to campus here and, and have a lot of fun together. So I think it's a a culture thing of the whole school and then on the field having having guys to run the program with and then like this year I even had two alumni who when the, the NESCAC season was kind of a uh, up in the air they they left school um, and they came back and volunteered for us this this spring too so there's there's a lot of an alumni legacy a very committed and loyal baseball group of guys that graduate from here I have a great group chat with the five years of kids that have graduated for me here and, and it's just a good time I mean I, I love the kids I love the environment and I think that's I think the performance happens because our kids are, are so special and the space is so good. Yeah, that was a great response. And being your authentic self is super important at Loomis. And it's also great to have that with you going into the Futures League as well. And not only are you the baseball coach, but you're also the assistant athletic director. So how do you balance both of those positions and what's your day to day like as the assistant AD? Yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a great gig here. Uh, Sue Cabot, the athletic director here, has done a, a great job helping me develop in a lot of different ways. When I first got here, I was uh, the scheduler. So I did a lot of the, all the interscholastic scheduling. Um, so any game that we were playing, whether that's our, you know, varsity baseball, varsity football, varsity basketball, varsity hockey, and, and we're, we've got a, a great athletics program, but we were, I was also scheduling like our thirds team. So far, you know, our, our freshman team is heading off to go play someone um, so that, you know, having uh, the bus ready, having box lunches and things, doing all those schedules was kind of the bulk of my job for my first couple of years. And then we hired a new lacrosse coach here and she's been an excellent addition to the community uh, and actually folded into our athletics department. And so she took over the scheduling and, and I was able to, to bump out and, and manage more of our facilities and our, our facility staff as well. So that's something that's going to balance me as I'm looking at a variety of the athletics uh, department. And, and so she does a, a nice job at diversifying like what I get to manage each year and, and helping me get a little bit more. And it's fun, right? I mean, managing a facility and my staffers and, and being able to know a lot about all different athletics events and venues and talking to different coaches about their needs and supporting them. Um, I think when you talk about balance, I think it's just, it's, it's part of like living here too is, is uh, pretty convenient because I don't really have, you know, off hours, like my evenings, I can, you know, I can coach a baseball practice and then in the evening kind of chip back away at some work. If I've got staffers that I'm managing for the next day, or if I need to go finish something, if a field needs to be done at night, I can kind of hop on the machine and, and get out there. I definitely take a lot of care of our baseball and softball fields here just because that's something I like to do. And but yeah, it's it's it is a little bit of a balancing act as we also have like dorm duty on weekends where I'm in charge of these 38 boys. It's all fun and it's all for these kids here at Loomis. So it's a good time. Yeah, you got to make sure there's too, not too much bias with the baseball team there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're darn right. I mean, that's uh, I, typically my, my rule is I try to drag the softball field before the baseball field every day. So we're actually, we have these gorgeous baseball dugouts that were, were gifted to us from great alumni uh, fund. And, and we actually, we as a school are, are making sure we, we make that equal this, uh, this summer. We're building brand new softball dugouts. It'll be an exact replica of baseball. Um, so it's going to be a great facility over there something I'm really excited about. And we have a master plan going on with that with athletics too right now, which is cool. So there's a lot of management here in that AD world that Miss Cabot's done a great job with and, and uh, keeps me in the loop on a lot of it and helps me work on it too. So it's just, it's a, a good space. It definitely, that is one of, one of Sue's things. So I was like, all right, we got a whole picture it. Make sure we step back. Let's put on the assistant AD hat. And that's kind of the nature of boarding school. If, if anyone's been around it, it's you're wearing 17 different hats, whether it's my AD hat, my advisor hat, my baseball hat, my football hat. I used to teach history. We'll see if that if that comes up here again or any seminars or anything. But it's just about being here for these kids and the mission of the school. Yeah, you talk about wearing different hats. You did wear a hat in your baseball playing career. You earned all NESCAC honors as a third baseman in 2009-2010 as a two-year captain at Middlebury, you led the team to a playoff berth in 2011 and still hold the record for most doubles in a career at Middlebury. So how have you used your experience during your playing career to help your coaching career? Yeah, I, uh, I had a great run up there. Really, really valuable time with a lot of great people around me. Just loved Middlebury College. Uh, Bob Smith was, was a great man, good head coach for me. Uh, a real players guy. You know, a lot of what I did with him is I would go and we, you know, now they have this really fancy field house. Uh, but when I was there, we had a, a bubble. So I'd, I'd often spend time with Smitty in the mornings, hitting off a tee out into the bubble because no one else wanted to be in that big dusty space. So, you know, I had that one-on-one informal time I had with Smitty, who's just a great man. And Phelpsy, who was our, our assistant coach up there, Nides, they were just a good trio of coaches that were were great and let players really kind of just come into themselves. They, they really let the players lead the program and, and have fun and, and kind of set their culture. So I do think kind of that that leash and, and allowing, you know, trust and credibility. I think also a little bit of my footballness makes me maybe a little bit tighter. I have some leash and, and, and sometimes I have to remind myself a little bit, all right, like, let's baseball it. You know, that, that football experience was a big part of it for me too at Middlebury. Just the, the grit and, and some of kind of the hard work that, that football takes. And um, I was a quarterback. So a little bit of that kind of like poise and, and calmness when things are a little bit hot. Those, those types of, of playing moments were really fun. But I think being in New Britain, like taking the college culture here, having an understanding, especially I think being a D3 athlete um, and then coaching a summer team is, is a nice kind of melding pot, right? Because I think at, at the summer league, we I have to understand that like all the kids who are here are not necessarily, you know, trying to play 70 games and, and be at everything six hours early and take on-field IO and BP and drill work. And, you know, so just kind of understanding, you know, not everybody in our league is going to be playing for a professional future. There will be a few, right? Hopefully a couple guys on our team each year will be striving for that. But to understand how to, you know, really make everyone comfortable and help every individual get to their potential and reach their goals and, and then kind of match up what our team goals are of getting that championship at the end of the year too and, and how we play all those pieces together to make them work together. So, you know, I would say, yeah, the, the hat I had at Middlebury, I, I, I played all right. Uh, I grew up again, I, I said this probably three times now, but uh, San Diego, I just, I played a lot of baseball. It was, it was year round and so I learned from a lot of great coaches from my, you know, young travel teams to, to my high school coaches. And so just some of the approaches and things I had there uh, that then got fine tuned when I got to Middlebury and, and uh, really allowed me to succeed. So a lot of good little things that, that were really fun to be around. Before we get back to our interview with Donnie McKillop, we want to share a message from our friends at On Demand Storage. Are you tired of living in clutter? Do you need more space around your home or office? Are you sick of visiting your self-storage unit? Does your business need a way to securely and conveniently store excess materials? On-demand storage will pick up your items directly from your location and bring them in storage for you. When you want something back, give us a call and we can deliver it back right away. We bring convenience to the outdated self-storage process. Visit ondemandstorage.com and submit an inquiry. During sign-up, mention the Futures League and receive 50% off your storage pickup. Once again, that's ondemandstorage, all one word, dot com. We now return to our interview with Donnie McKillop. 
So like you said, you were under center. You were actually under center for the 2007 NESCAC championship team. You got all NESCAC honors uh, for football, like you said, in addition to baseball. And you still have numerous uh, passing categories where you lead for the Panthers, for, for Middlebury. So you're the coach, you're uh, the offensive coordinator and QB coach. What kind of offense are you running there? Because you're from San Diego, but now you're over here. Uh, what's that like being the football coach and what are you, what are you drawing up there? Yeah, I mean, one, one of the my, my favorite things about going to, to play football at Middlebury was, was Bob Ritter was and Jason Thomas was there at the time. And Joe Early were, were kind of the three guys that were masterminding a, a switch in the offense as I was going into my freshman year. And so they were going to Chip Kelly's spread offense. So they had Chip in the office, I think, right before that fall that I went there. So it was they had him, I think, in the winter going in in, in probably 2007. And so we ran the spread and, and we were we were the fastest team in the league for sure. I mean, we just the teams could not line up quick enough. And so we were, we had a multiple style offense too, though, because not only did we have all the spread stuff, but we also had guys who had been playing in kind of a single back pro set. So we could, we could do probably a little bit of too much of everything, but we were super simple with our past concepts. And it was a really well-balanced attack when I, when I was young and, and learning the offense there, it was just, it was a fun, a fun element. And we were hot on the ball. We were scoring points. We were one back, two back motions. Uh, moving around, I, you know, I was actually running the, the triple option a little bit as a, a freshman. I think I ran a lot more than I did the other years. As I got older, we, I think I sat back and threw a little bit more, got smarter, you know. Then I think here, Coach Moore is, has done a good job. He's brought up some stuff. He worked at Amherst College as well as I did for a season. So we, we have a good understanding. It's definitely a, a lot of that spread stuff, you know, the, the fun and gun. And, and then we also, we just, we pulled in a, a really good running back this year as well. And so I think we're going to be pretty lethal next year. If, if you check out Jeff Moore's Twitter, you'll see some of the, the football recruits that are coming to Loomis. And we're going to look pretty darn good. So we're going to have a, a big old offensive line, a really good quarterback coming in, Dante Reno, who's, who's already, I think, got a bunch of FBS offers and is just even a more quality kid than he is football player. And that's saying something because he's a damn good football player. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we roll with the pieces we have. And I'm excited. I think that our, our school is, has done a great job setting us up for success for I think we had a really good year this year. We're kind of on the upward trend. And next year, hoping to, to really kind of get a step forward in that program for sure. All right, so we're both Pats fans. Can you give us anything on Mac Jones? You think he's NFL ready? Oh, man, I hope so. I hope it, I hope it's not a, uh, you know, the old Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban, too, you know, too close. You know, maybe a little nepotism there. I feel like those guys, I mean, they're two of the best coaches ever. But, you know, I hope it, I, I think Mac Jones looked pretty good in that national title game. So if, if it was interesting, I, I thought maybe it was going to be an opportunity to kind of have maybe a little bit more of a dual threat and see if see if the offense wanted to to be different and evolve a little bit and not saying Mac can't run. But, you know, it's not his it's not his primary, not, not his forte, <laughs> Yeah, not, not what he's trying to do. So it's yeah, I, you know, we'll see. We'll kind of see how it rolls. The facilities guy I work with here, who's our, our main athletics facilities. Uh, staff guy Craig, he always gives me a hard time because I was a diehard Chargers fan, right? And uh, uh, when, the, when the Chargers moved to Los Angeles, I, I mean, I'm saying when Ryan Leaf was on the Chargers, I was I was a season ticket, like I was attending all the games, right? So that's a pretty bad time to be a Chargers fan. You know, Junior Seau, Rodney Harrison, even though they became Patriots, right? They're really Chargers in life. You know that then when uh, when my team moved to Los Angeles, man, it was uh, it was tough. So I've actually jumped on this Patriots bandwagon. Um, my, my wife's from Connecticut. So Great you know, to I have, wanna, yeah. yeah, I didn't want to have a, a house divided. So just want to raise my kids on one team. And, you know, then I hop on this thing and, and then Tom Brady leaves and now what the heck, but um, hopefully, hopefully they'll bring us back. And, and uh, yeah, I got, I got to learn how to be a, a bit more of a uh, hardcore Patriots fan. Cause my heart isn't fully in it yet. We'll get there one day though. I think I got the Brady up here. Yeah, I you. see that. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I, I went to a, a Patriots Steelers game with my father and, the, and my family is from Pittsburgh. So they they're Steelers people. And my dad like hated I was wearing a Patriots beanie to the game. Uh, and it was it was at Gillette in the playoffs and, and the Patriots won and, and he had to buy me a Tom Brady jersey. So that's my that was my first Patriots gear was uh, my co-captain at Middlebury gave me that Patriots beanie to wear to the game. And then my dad had to buy me a jersey. So it was a good bet, you know. Um, yeah, that's a good way to get welcomed into the Patriots bandwagon right there with a Tom Brady jersey. Yeah, no doubt. The GOAT. 
the goat. And we're going to get to our final segment here in just a minute, but how about a message to bees fans as we're officially into the season? Yeah, I would say, uh, always keep flocking out there guys. It's, uh, keep showing up, you know, the promos and everything that's going on. Stay tuned media team. You know, I can't thank them enough, you know, log on to our Twitter, our Instagram, our website. Those guys are really kicking butt for us. So you'll always know what's going on. Thanks for that support in night one, especially for those of you who stayed through that lightning storm. Um, you know, we at least came back and won it for you. And, you know, I, I definitely, I, I, I already gave Jesse a, a by name shout out, but it was really cool to meet him down the dugout and uh, that B unit, man, that energy and that fun up there. I think that there's no better, no better way to start your night, no matter what you're doing, than to come to a B's game. The deals on the beer and the hot dogs, I mean, can't get much better than that. And good food and hanging out with friends in a ballpark. I mean, that I, I just, I, I can't tell you how cool it was to just walk out onto that field on opening night and just kind of feel the buzz, right? I said to some of the guys, I was like, wow, like, you can kind of feel like that, that, that major league, like pregame, it kind of just feels a little bit like that. You know, it's just, there's that, that vibe to it, the stadium, the hang, it's just, there's, the pregame is just a different vibe. So those Bees fans keep come bringing that for us because it's super helpful. Yeah, the Bees are buzzing. And, Yo, uh, you got it. And you don't want to miss that. No way. <laughs> and we now move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So, Donnie, we have a few more questions to have our audience get to know you a little bit better. Is that cool? Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. First one for you. Why did you originally want to work in sports and what made you decide to become a coach? Yeah, I love sports. You know, when, when I finished college, I was, uh, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, and so I knew school and sports, it was kind of growing up. It was, it was, you know, family, church, school, sports. That was kind of the, the order. And so when I was graduating, there was a great opportunity to, uh, to go work at, at the Williston Northampton school, a good, good Middlebury alum. Mark Conroy hooked me up and I actually thought I was going to just take a year to figure out what I was going to do. My father's a lawyer. Maybe I would take the LSATs. I was a poli-sci major. Maybe I would, you know, go back into law like my dad did. I like to argue, can talk a decent amount. And, uh, but what ended up happening is I just fell in love with teaching and coaching and then ended up just chasing this coaching dream and, and athletics. And when I got to, to go to Springfield for grad school and, and talk about athletic administration and just the different things that play in. There's there's something to be said for working with kids when they're the in the most receptive environment, right? And and when I think back about it, like things I learned, I, I can tell you exactly who my coaches were all the time, what their priorities were, what they thought was important, how teams worked, how teammates work together. Those types of things I think are so important and are just something that I love. You know, my, my dad always told me to, to make an impact. That was the line when I was trying to figure out what the heck to do with my life in, in a profession. And once I was was teaching and coaching, I felt like that's what I was doing and, and continue to feel that way today. And and all those kids get to make an impact back on me. I mean, some of the the smiles and laughs I get to have around young men playing sports, it's about as good as it gets. Yeah, you're certainly making an impact. I mean, you said you're in a 38 person dorm, you have a few kids. It's like, it's like you have 40 plus kids. Certainly feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you ask my wife, we, uh, <laughs> we've got, I'm telling you, we got three kids. Uh, we got one coming August, August 9th. So I told Brad and Brett, I was like, Hey, you'll need a different manager for like two, three days. You know, we'll, uh, we'll figure out when that will be. Hopefully the baby cooperates with us and you know, it'll be the fourth one in five years. So we're, uh, we're right in the thick of it. Five Christmas cards, four new additions. Uh, and then, like you said, 38, 38 humans who live next to me, every, every waking uh, moment of every day is, is pretty darn fun. A lot of those kids, though, like you go out in the common room and you're just, you know, you talk about like athletics. Um, a lot of the guys in my building will just be, you know, hanging out, eating pizza and watching sports or talking about life, talking about relationships you know whatever whatever it is it's uh it's pretty darn good it's it's very comfortable yeah that's fantastic and congratulations a play a little play futures league playoff baby there sounds like that's right well, hopefully the time. yeah that's that's what we're talking about denuncio's got this theory right he's, he's got a superstition because i had my first my son trace he was born in 2017 and we won our our high school baseball league and then uh, my daughter was born in 2018 13 months later and we won our prep school league we didn't have a kid the following year and we didn't win the league. And so then 
I, you know, I was like, all right, I'll do it for you. So then we had another kid, but then COVID, man, we, we didn't win that season, but now she's pregnant again. And, and we had a great spring. We only had 13 games because of the whole kind of weird relaunching back into COVID thing, but we went 10 and three and had a great season with it. So I'm willing to say this baby's definitely a positive in how we play. So, you know, I guess when, when you're missing a lot of time at home for your early BP or you're showing up early, I think maybe it motivates me and focuses me a little bit more on having to make sure we're doing really well if pregnant wife at home is really working her butt off for us. So if, when, you, when people are sacrificing for you, you better make sure it's a damn good product. Absolutely. And from the coaching questions to more of the fan questions, how about favorite ballpark you've attended as a fan? Uh, Petco. Ooh, Fenway. Petco or Fenway, I don't know. I love I'm San Diego's home. That park is fun. Very different reasons, right? I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, but Petco and Fenway are great. Yeah, two great stadiums across the major leagues. And how about sports stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list? Sports event? Uh, so I, I, when I was young, I, uh, 1998, I watched the, the Padres get swept by one of the best Yankees teams. So I've been to the World Series. That was a good one. Tony Gwynn, my absolute idol. That was that was fun, and, and his son his son went to my high school. But I would say probably Super Bowl. Like I would love to see a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's probably it. Yeah, Super Bowl popular answer on this podcast as well. And if you were walking up to the dish or walking out to the mound, what would your walk up music be? Oh man, uh, probably Return of the Mac, right? If if I'm if I'm walking up to play again, that's got to be fitting. Absolutely, why not, right? <laughs> You just mentioned one, but how about favorite big league team and player, whether it's current or historical? Uh, uh, Padres, number one. Tony Gwynn, number one. Uh, I'm wearing a Red Sox sweatshirt here. Nomar Garcia Parra. Uh, right, Tony Gwynn was not an infielder, so I grew up playing in the infield. Nomar was, you know, the big three that I like. One of the big three I liked the most. Jeter and A-Rod were, were fine, but I just loved Nomar. All his all his superstition, his batting gloves, his wiggle. I, I just, there was something about him I just loved, so. Yeah, it's got to be Tony and Nomar, and yeah, Padres and Red Sox, definitely. And then other athletes, I would say, if it's not baseball, it's, you know, I think in my courts, the San Diego Chargers and Stan Humphreys. You know, that's a pretty epic, like, out of uh, out of left field name right there. Stan Humphreys, you might not even know who he is, right? But yeah, pretty above average quarterback, was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd live there, childhood, you know? Oh, totally. What about a nickname? Uh... I really liked uh, Donnie Kidd at Middlebury when I was a freshman. Um, Donnie Kidd was just was a good one. A lot of guys like to do like the Donnie baseball or Donnie football. Uh, but to me, that the memory of uh, the, the older guys at Middlebury were really kind to me and called me Donnie Kidd when I was a freshman. And we were, you know, d- diving in the, the gorge together after two a days, trying to get our legs finally relaxed and rested. They just embraced me and, and uh, it kind of, it brings me to a good space uh, of just great team team memories and a championship season. So all those things just come back. That's awesome. Yeah. Any superstitions you have? Lots of them. Yeah. I would say <sighs> that my favorite memory of a superstition, right? Like I, I'll typically, if we win a game, try to eat at least one same meal before that, that next one. So like if I had a turkey sandwich and we won, I'd like to have a turkey sandwich again, which I, I might have to relax on with a 68 game season if we go on some super streak, but I remember I, uh, I was in seventh grade and I, for some reason, put barbecue chips on my sandwich one day and I hit two home runs. And I think I tried to have barbecue chips on my sandwich before every game for about three years. It didn't work after that, but I gave it a whirl just to see if that was the, the special sauce. But so who knows if we're really digging at some point in the summer, maybe I'll bring some barbecue lays and throw them on a sandwich, you know? As long as it's not like a sleeve of Oreos or a carton of ice cream or something. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what about a favorite ballpark food or, or beverage when you're uh, attending a game? Oh, favorite ballpark food. I mean, the ballpark hot dog's got to be just a classic. You can't go to a baseball game and not have a hot dog. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, That's definitely just, a common answer. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, bubble gum or sunflower seeds? Oh, see, yeah, here you go, superstition. So Denunzi and I both, if we had a good inning, we stay with what we went with, but we bring gum and seeds. I've got Orbit as my gum. I also really like to bring the tub of Double Bubble. Um, so 2017 through 2019, my Loomis dugouts always had the tub. COVID hit and I didn't bring the tub back, but maybe that'll come back. But we always have sunflower seeds. I, I'm a David's guy, right? Just a classic, but 
Coach D's a, a bigs guy. So we bring our own stuff, but we, we alternate. So you're talking about superstition. Yeah, it's, there's, your, there's another superstition. I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious, right? What is your all-time favorite baseball memory? Oof, all-time favorite baseball memory. Oh, there's a lot of good ones. Man, quick hits. <laughs> I don't know whether I want to go funny here, whether I want to go serious. Give us both. We got yeah. you. We gotcha. I, I would say uh, the, ser- the serious manner, I'm going when, when we were in 2011. So when I first got to mid, we had not made the tournament. They won in the spring of 2005. I think they went like 20 and something in the spring of 2006. And then, oh, it's 2006, 2007. And then the spring of 2008 was my freshman year there. And we were okay. And we were kind of a 500 team. And so we, for my freshman, sophomore, junior year, we were just kind of, we were battling always, but we were always kind of the third team on the west side of the NESCAC. And so my goal was definitely to get to the NESCAC tournament. And so when I'll never forget, you know, I, I popped my shoulder out that year, actually my left shoulder uh, was kind of just battling through at bats and just really hoping that our team just freaking made it to the tournament. And I was, I was our only captain on the team. So a lot of it was just really encompassed around just kind of making it to the postseason. And so I ended up, I was, we were at Trinity waiting on an Amherst Wesleyan result and you know having to try to play that game but I was I was out in the field and all of a sudden our our fan section just started it erupted right and and in that moment I remember the hairs on the back of my neck like I knew we were in right and, and just getting in and, and starting that kind of getting back into the tournament was hopeful that was going to kind of kind of spark something and just playing in the NESCAC tournament was was real fun. My freshman and my senior I also mixed in in the outfield and and I used to like all the football guys shirtless on the fences uh, heckling me. And at Amherst there was a good one. I, I had never been to Dunkin Donuts before I got to the Northeast. At Amherst there was a line of guys in right field with no shirts on, maybe not the soberest. And they and I'm I'm not I was a quarterback, but I was never really the physique of a quarterback. Uh, I was always pretty thick, and they were just chirping at me, you know, asking me how many culottas I drank a day. And I was like, I don't know what a culotta is. And they challenged, they said, no way, you you know, you drink all the culottas. So it was it was some good banter back and forth with some good guys who some of them I even I knew a little bit. So I I, I will always recall and, and have a lot of fun with the NESCAC fans and and the football guys who were chirping me at every stadium. Yeah, I would say the. <laughs> You want to go funny memory? Uh, we played a midweek game, and I swear it was like 25 degrees. I have no clue where we were, but our our catcher uh, we had we had a senior pitcher going, and our catcher throwing down plunked this kid square in the back in a cold day. And I'll never forget Rob Palladino's face uh, when Andrew Matson hit him in the back when he was throwing down between innings. Uh, that's my so that's out there. I, I, yeah, Rob Palladino, who was just an absolute locker room staple of Middlebury College baseball. The face he gave when uh, when Madsen plunked him in the back was was pretty good. Yeah, those are two fantastic memories and some that you'll definitely never forget, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Donnie, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck with everything, and we can't wait to see you and the bees on the field for the rest of the summer. Let's get it buzzing. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Donnie. This has been episode seven of season three of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.